Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. You know, from a production standpoint, I hate that I have to follow that. And, and the last song that the band did, I mean, I feel like after those two things, I could literally just be like, we're done here. Um, you know, we've, we've proclaimed and lifted high the name of Jesus. We've just seen in drama um, the, the, uh, uh, not only a recap of everything that we've talked about so far, but they've already, you know, segued into to what we're going to be looking at tonight. But, but since we're all here, I'll just go ahead and, you know, go through my notes and, and we'll just, um, we'll make sure that we understand everything that we've seen, okay? Real quick, I want to I wanna just share something with you guys um, from this morning. And I want to see if this picks up in my microphone. All right. That's from Minions. And that was my official thing this morning. All right. No ha-ha. One person wrote it down on a uh, da up here. I'm not sure that it was completely unassisted. It did get put in, but that was my reference for this morning. I did... Um, unknowingly or unintentionally referenced Tangled, and so those will also count, all right? Um, I told you guys, I speak in movie references all the time. And here's another thing. I came in here at 4 o'clock for Disney trivia, and I was going to wreck every single one of you. In each round, I averaged two correct answers. (laughs) I was humbled, all right? Sometimes that's what we need. So, shame on me for coming in here thinking that I was going to destroy you all in that. Um, Did you guys have an amazing time today? Yeah. Listen, I I made rounds, and every time I stopped at a station, you guys looked like you were having an amazing time. So... Uh, I'm glad that you had an amazing time. I have here in my notes just to say, you know, some of you, depending where you are in this process, you might have left this morning feeling a little distressed as we talked about the situation that we're in, our natural state of being spiritually dead. Um, And if you left here this morning with that, you know, things just running through your mind and a little bit of distress, a little bit of anxiety as you realize, you know, the state that we're in, um, that's a good thing. But, you know, I'm sure once we left here and you guys started all of your programming and you had a wonderful time, you probably forgot about that. Let's let's bring that back this evening, okay? We're going to start to bring this full circle. We've spent the last two sessions laying foundation. We've been in Genesis. We talked about how God created everything perfectly and with purpose and, and, and an intent. And then the, the enemy came in and deceived Adam and Eve and caused them to, um, to doubt God's goodness and to doubt God's provision and, and called them to um, fall into sin and disobedience. And we talked about how it severed that perfect relationship that mankind had with his creator, all right? And I encouraged you guys this morning, kind of as we wrapped up, to reflect on your own lives and ask yourself the question, 
What is it that you have, have built up? What is it that you have established in your daily routines that you run to in order to feel alive? Because that's the reality that we're all left with. You know, God created us for relationship with him. God created us for life, and yet we're born into this natural state of being spiritually dead. So this evening, we're going to talk about what it looks like to come alive. If you go back to Genesis, this is the last time that we'll do Genesis. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, all right, we've been in chapter 1 where we read about creation. We were in chapter 2 when we read about the fall. In chapter 3, when, when God comes and speaks to Adam and Eve and, and they hash out what has happened, God begins to, um, he begins to share with Adam and Eve the reality, their new reality that their, their uh, sin and their brokenness has, has left them with. But even as he's doling out all of these consequences, he gives them the blueprint thousands of years before it's hap- going to happen. He gives them the blueprint for how he is going to fix everything, how he is going to redeem mankind, how he is going to make it possible for those of us who are dead to come alive. And we see this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. All right, this is God speaking to the serpent. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now we're only about a month and a half removed from Christmas, right? Did you guys have a great Christmas? I was sick the whole month of December. My Christmas was, you know, I complained in November because I'm a Christmas tree farmer, right? November is slammed for me. And I kept whining and complaining that I needed to slow down and rest. And God's like, okay, I'm going to force you to do that here. You know, get sick. So December, I was sick the entire month. Um, But we're a month and a half or so removed from Christmas. What are we celebrating during the Christmas season? The incarnation, yeah, the the birth of of Jesus, the second part of the Godhead. And thousands of years before Jesus was born, God gives Adam and Eve this blueprint for what's to come. And he reveals to Adam and Eve that there's going to be this perpetual conflict between mankind and, and Satan. But he also reveals this plan that the enemy, the one who is there to to steal and kill and destroy, he's going to be crushed, all right? Now, when you go to the New Testament in your Bible, you can read through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You, you, you see this conflict finally come to a head, even from the moment that Jesus is born. Uh, and depending which Gospel record you're looking at, you know, they all present it a little bit differently. Um, but Satan is actively working to see Jesus snuffed out even from the very beginning. And if you go to Revelation chapter 12, you read a part of the nativity story that has never made it into a Christmas carol as far as I've heard. Let me read this for you, Revelation 12. You guys realize that there's, 
you know, we talk about this and some of you are like, this is weird. I don't want to talk about this. Like spiritual warfare, like things going on. We talk about the enemy, you know, the prince of the power of the air, the little G God of this world, um, kind of depicted as the creepy person up here. All right, you guys, you guys understand that? Um, Revelation chapter 12, this is, this is the untold part of the nativity story. Revelation 12 verse 3 says, Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child." Are you guys dying to hear a Christmas carol about that part of the nativity story? You know, that's probably like a skillet or a disciple kind of song. Uh, I don't think Tomlin's going to tackle that one. But, but if you guys have read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, did, did Satan succeed at, at snuffing out Jesus when he was born? No. 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 Has Satan ever succeeded at, at spoiling the plans of God? No. no. Will he? No, 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 no. Jesus, you go through, you read the Gospels, you see he walks this earth for 30-some years, and while he's here, he comes in and he explains the Father. He explains God. He explains what God is like. He shows us through his teaching, through his actions, through his compassion, through his love, what our, our Father God, our Creator, is like. And he even says, if he, he says to, to his followers, he says, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. Um, but Jesus didn't just come to show us how to live. He didn't just come to teach things that were going to blow the minds of um, religious zealots. He didn't just come to poke the enemy. Guys, understand this this evening. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom, okay? Early on in the Old Testament, God established a system of sacrifices so that people could be forgiven for their sins. And that system involved animals being killed. It involved blood being shed so that, so that sins could be forgiven. It was a very difficult system. And if we're being honest, I can tell you guys early on in my life, there would not have been enough animals in the state of North Carolina to keep me in a right standing before God. Many of you could probably say the same of your own life. But part of God's plan from, for redemption from the beginning, um, as we saw there in Genesis 3.15, was to send Jesus to offer his life as a perfect sacrifice. And it would end that Old Testament sacrificial system, and it would make salvation available to all who might believe. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And guys, I could stand here this evening and I could, I could walk you through each different account detailing the trial, the arrest, um, Jesus being beat, Jesus being mocked, um, Jesus being stretched out and, and, and nailed on a Roman cross. And I could, I could play with your emotions and get you really worked up about that. That's not my intent here this evening. You need to understand the reality of this, that God said, this is going to happen. You go through, you look at the scriptures, you see, this happened. We're going to be in Easter, what, next month? I think the last Sunday of March is Easter. 
When Easter comes around, I have heard so many sermons on people talking about who was responsible for the death of Jesus. Guys, nobody took Jesus' life. He gave it up willingly for you, for me, because it was the only way that we would ever be able to come alive. It's the only way that we were ever going to be restored to a holy God. And when his spirit was dismissed on the cross, the sacrifice was made, the the price for our sins was paid, and, and we were given the opportunity for the first time since the Garden of Eden to truly come alive. Not just for a brief period between sacrifices, but once and for all. I don't know where each and every one of you are at spiritually. If you have a walk with Jesus, again, if you're being introduced to Jesus for the first time this weekend, but when you come to understand the reality of this, in my mind, we're forced to make a decision, all right? We're forced to confront the truth of what we're presented with. And some of you, you're here this evening and and you don't want to make a decision. Some of you are here this evening and you're hearing these things and you're like, eh, this doesn't really apply to me. And, and you're going to tune out. And here's why you're going to tune out. Because you look around you. Yes, you see brokenness, but, but you know, you're not, you're getting by. You're okay with, with whatever it is that you've created in your life that you go to to help you feel alive. Um, you see that there's lots of other people doing the same things that you're doing. Man, I have had conversations with so many people. It's so frustrating. They say, well, I look around me and everybody's doing the same thing that I'm doing. Professing Christians are doing the same thing that I'm doing. Guys, can I tell you, let me share a couple scriptures with you. One of them is Proverbs 14.12. Proverbs 14.12 says, the, the way that seems right leads to death. That should cause us to think a little bit. Let me give you a more specific one. This is Jesus talking, giving an illustration in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. All right, so let's pause and consider that maybe as we're going along and we see everyone happily going along with us, maybe we're not going the way that God would have us to go. Maybe the way that we're heading to with all of these other people and it's wide and, and you know, it, maybe that leads to destruction. Jesus says that, he goes on in verse 14, he says, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and there are few who find it. Translation, if you're doing what everybody else is doing, that shouldn't be a source of comfort to you. That shouldn't be something that you cling to when you're confronted with this reality of needing to to decide if you're going to continue on being spiritually dead and pursuing things that are never going to be able to give you life or or putting your faith and your trust in one who, from the very beginning, was, was going to be the source of life. This is one of the great struggles in our society, I think. You know, if you're not going along with the majority, then you're going to be labeled as an outcast. You're going to be rejected. And so oftentimes we, we go along 
to get along. Any of you ever have a parent or a teacher tell you not to do something and you say, well, everybody else is doing it? What do they say? If everybody else was jumping, it doesn't make it right. Yeah, what I always heard was if everybody else is jumping off a bridge, you know, you're going to go do that too. And you're like, well, no, that's silly. And they're like, well, you're silly, you know. It's the same, same thing, same thing here. Uh, That's the type of argument that we make. But the very words that Jesus says is, if you want to go the way of life, you travel the narrow way to the small gate. You're not going to get there by following the crowd. We know our condition, all right? We're spiritually dead. Okay, some of you are fit. You're like, you're you're, uh, you're wore out, I think, for today. We're spiritually dead. We know that there is this this force in the world that has made it its sole purpose to keep us dead. We've talked about that twice now. We also see now that the way to life is not through the wide gate, but through the narrow gate, according to Jesus. And while it seems like a no-brainer that we want to pursue then the narrow gate, the narrow way that's going to lead to life, there's still this struggle. Why? Again, I think it's because we've got all these things that we've leaned on to help us feel alive. And let me just give you an example of what this looks like. Jesus illustrated this in the scriptures. We read an account of Jesus and a guy that's simply called the rich young ruler. All right. And the rich young ruler, he he wants to know what he must to do, what he must do to inherit eternal life. Uh, in the context of our weekend, we could say, um, you know, the the rich guy comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, how can I come alive? Okay, let's let's put it that way because that fits with our theme, and that's exactly what he's asking. And this guy is really proud of himself. Jesus goes through. And there's the scripture references. If you want to jot those down and look at those later. I mean, this this account is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, But his question is, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus goes through and he begins to list all of these things that, that, you know, Jewish people were expected to do. And as this guy's hearing this, he's like, yep, 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 yep. Checking off all of these things. And he's proud of himself. He's proud that he's kept all of these laws and that he's done all of these things. And so when Jesus gets through his checklist, you know, I'm sure at that point he's got his chest bowed out because he's proud of himself. And you guys ever bow your chest out when you're proud of yourself? Sometimes I walk around my house like that, you know, like a peacock, and my wife just looks at me and she's like, what's wrong with you? You know, (laughs) like... I don't know. I get proud sometimes. And then I get humbled like I did in Disney trivia. Uh, The rich young ruler, though, he's he's proud of himself. And I have no doubt that in his mind, he thinks, I've got this figured out. I've got this figured out. But Jesus, guys, he's man, but he's also God. And he knows, he knows this fellow's heart. Now, the first commandment, have no other gods before God. Jesus tells this guy, he says, okay, All right, give up all your wealth, give it to the poor, and then follow me. Sell your possessions, follow me. I'm paraphrasing all of this for the sake of time. You guys know that time is my enemy in these these times together. Um, Sell your possessions, follow me. And I have enlisted the help of my 
youngest son, Micaiah, to illustrate what happens with the rich young ruler in the next slide. Could you guys say no to that face? I do it every day, multiple times a day. He is a stink pot. Like, the rich young ruler, he goes away sad. Now, we can read this account and we could think, what's wrong with that guy? What is wrong with that guy? Like, Jesus straight up tells him, this is the way to come alive. All those things that have your heart, all of those things that are so important to you, get rid of those things. Follow me. And the guy can't do it. He cannot do it. He drops his head. He goes away sad. What was his God? His God was wealth, all right? His wealth was his God. And Jesus helps him to reveal where his heart truly was. And when he realizes that, he drops his head and he leaves. Because guys, to follow Jesus, we have to give up those things that are making us feel alive, but keep us from being truly alive. Here's another thing to consider. We, we talked with, about Solomon this morning. I read to you guys out of Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and, and we, we saw Solomon's take on this. But, you know, another thing for us to consider when our identity is wrapped up in possessions or the desires of this world, you pursue those things, and you pursue them, and you pursue them. This is true of all these these things that we build up to feel alive. You pursue, and you pursue, and you pursue, and you pursue, and they never they never make you alive. It's just this vicious cycle. I heard it said, all the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars we steal from the night sky, hey, they're never going to be enough. There's tremendous truth in that. All right, listen, you guys don't need to write it now. You know what it is. You can come up here and do it at the end. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's tremendous truth in that. I know it wasn't intended to be that way when it was said, but there's tremendous truth in it. These things that we pursue in order to make us feel alive will never be enough. And the rich young ruler is willing to trade eternity for temporary wealth. Can I share with you guys just a second about the fleeting nature of things? And perhaps my focus is on things because this has been a struggle for me my entire life. When I was like 10 years old, I think my mom recognized this and she had me memorize 1 John 2, 15 through 17, which says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, that doesn't come from the father. It comes from the world. And guess what? The world and its desires are going to pass away, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. All of these things are fleeting. I told some of you guys, I've had a terrible start to 2024. It has, it, it, I had a bad end to 23, had a terrible start to 24. I lost both my grandmothers last month within like 10 days of each other. Now, one was 90, one was 93. They lived long lives. They're with the Lord now. But that's still, it's hard. My 90-year-old grandmother, she lived with me um, in my house. We had a basement apartment in my house. It was, it was awesome. She moved up from Florida after my grandfather passed away last year. Um, and we got to spend precious time with her. But when she passed away, 
It was like three o'clock in the morning. And I don't know if you guys have ever lost anyone close, but you're kind of in this back and forth after that happens of not knowing. You're just kind of like lost. And I bagged all of her stuff up that day. And I donated it. Do you know how weird that felt to me? Like when I, when I loaded the last of these things that I had put into plastic bags into my truck and, and walked out of, of you know, her living space for the last time and pulled the door shut, I thought, like, this is the end of an era. This is the end of a season. And with all of her stuff gone, not just from my house, but like, she's gone. These things don't mean anything to her anymore. I thought about you guys, and I thought about this, this lesson on just the fleeting nature of things. Guys, this, we have this such an American way of just things, 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 things. And you know, the enemy loves that. The enemy loves to keep us on this hamster wheel of pursuing things and dangling things in front of us and just content to watch us chase after them knowing that even if we were to catch them, are they going to give us life? No. They'll fulfill us for a moment, and then they're gone. Jesus said, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves can break in and steal. Instead, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. It's, it's secure there. Guys, Jesus calls us to come to him that he might truly give us life and that he might truly give us rest. And this, again, this pursuit of physical things, that's a struggle of mine. You know what your struggles are. That's just one of many stumbling blocks that we have to contend with. But the question is, again, when we're confronted with the truth and the reality of having to make a decision. Are we going to be like the rich young ruler and are we going to walk away sad because we value the sin in our life more than we value Jesus? Romans 5.8 is one of my favorite verses. Can I share that with you guys? Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, I hate going to the doctor for various reasons. Um, but when I know that I have to go to the doctor, I spend <laughs> like a day fasting before I go in so that my blood pressure will be lower. <laughs> and, and I want to get myself all churched up before I go to the doctor so that I don't go there and him be like, you're a mess. You know, but isn't that stupid though? What are doctors for? They're, for? they're for helping you and getting you healthy and fixing you up and all these things. A lot of people, that's the mentality that they have concerning Jesus. Some of you are going to hear this and you're going to say, man, that sounds great. Ah, but I'm not really in a position right now. You sound like me when I'm going to go buy a car. Be like, I'm going to have to move some finances around, you know, do some things here before we, before we make this happen. Some of you guys are like, I need to clean myself up before I 
come to the Lord. No, listen, did you see Romans 5 eight? God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Guys, you don't have to clean yourself up before coming to him. You don't have to complete some huge checklist of things for him to, to accept you. Acts 16.31 says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Romans 10.9 says, confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And, and I know on the surface that sounds so easy, but for some of you, it is a struggle. You've heard this before, some of you. And some of you are hearing it and, and tonight and, and, and maybe you have this flutter in your heart and you don't know what that means, but... Can I tell you that if you ignore that and you walk out of here, your heart's going to become a little harder to this truth that Jesus gave his life for you, that he died for you, that you might be redeemed and have relationship with him. Maybe some of you struggle with this because you can't fathom that someone would love you enough to lay their life down for you. Maybe some of you struggle with this because of, you know the things that you've done in your life. And you hear this and you say, man, I'm not worth that. Can I tell you guys this evening what the psalmist says? This ties back into what we talked about the first night. Listen to what the psalmist said. The psalmist says that God knit each and every one of you together in your mother's womb. You remember when we talked about formed? He created you guys with uniqueness. He created you with purpose. And he loved you enough that he sent his son to die for you. Guys, gals, your worth this evening is greater than you can ever know. It's greater than you can ever know. Even if you're here this weekend and, and you say, again, like we talked about that first night, you say, ah, I need to wrestle with this some more. Can you please take this and put this in the sticky side of your brain that you have value? You are created by God, formed by God, and you have value I'm out of time. Understand this. This is the last thing that I, I want you, you, you need to understand this. The sacrifice has been made for you, all right? The sacrifice has been made for you. The offer's been extended. And just as we read, it's, it, it's as simple as believing, as confessing. Don't miss that part. Some, some people hear this and they say, well, if Jesus died for the sins of the world, then why do I need anything? You know, remember that your default setting is dead, right? Your default setting is not, not saved. Yes, Jesus died for the sins of the world according to 1 John 2, 2, but it's a, it's a sacrifice. It's a gift that's been extended, but you have to appropriate that for yourselves. I know that's a big word, appropriate. Let me illustrate it for you and then I'm gonna be done. If I come up here tomorrow and I get this little basket and I pull out one name that did the correct answer and I read it out and you're that person and you're like, yay, I won, I won, I won. That gift, those AirPods, they're yours, right? What if the service ends 
and you get distracted talking to your friends, you're lamenting the fact that you're gonna go home, and you walk out of here, and you get in your vehicle, and you go home. Did you appropriate that gift? You didn't, because I still have it. I'm gonna take it, I'm gonna give it to somebody else. All right. The gift of salvation is there for you to take if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. You can come to him. You don't have to pray some intricate prayer in Old English. You call out to God. You confess the nature of your heart, that you're a sinner, and ask him to save you. And you know what he'll do? He'll save you. He will give you the life that you've wanted but didn't know how to find. He will impart his very spirit in you. Does that mean that everything in your life is going to magically turn around? No. I've been walking with the Lord for a long time. Life's hard. Life's hard. But we have promises in Scripture that he's going to walk with us closer than a brother, that he's never going to leave us, he's never going to forsake us. The psalmist says, even when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, the good shepherd is with him. If you have questions about this, I will be available this evening. If you guys have questions about this, your leaders are available to talk about this. And I would also say there's probably other people in your group that have come alive and this is their reality and they would love to talk about this with you. If the Lord is speaking to your heart this evening, don't let another moment go out, go by without talking to someone and exploring this, okay? This is the opportunity that we have in Christ Jesus, to come alive. Let's bow. Father, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp to our feet. It is a light to our path. And Lord, it is where we read and understand what it truly means to come alive in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for sending him to live a perfect life and die a sacrificial death in order to redeem us in order to, to, to pay a price, a penalty that we could never pay on our own to be brought back into a right standing with you. Lord, would you draw hearts here this evening that don't know you? Would you help these hearts to see the ugliness of their own sin, convict them, Lord, and then set their eyes on, on you? open their eyes to see the reality of what we're talking about, that, that, that Jesus can take them and clean them up and give them new life. Lord, thank you for doing that. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being patient with us. We want to say this evening that we love you. We pray these things in Christ's name. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.